I've been reading the book of Acts for uh, um, a couple of months now and just going through it and just really studying it. And it's starting to really just kind of change my life and affect me. I'm, I'm starting to sense that my life needs to, I need to go up to another level in my relationship with the Lord in just reaching out to people um, and telling people about Jesus Christ. Because I've just discovered that I know a lot of people who, they're good people, they're great people. But the reality is, is that if their life was to end today, they would not spend eternity in heaven with God. And it breaks my heart to think that. And God has given me the opportunity to build relationships with people. And I've discovered that my life may be a witness to them. But unless I tell them about Jesus Christ, then they're never going to hear about Jesus Christ. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the, word, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. And unless I tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ, they may never get, come to faith. And so I've just been really challenged. So I'm just telling you, I'm warning you, in the next couple of weeks or several months even, we're, we're going to be taking some things to another level. We are going to be doing one thing called uh, um, uh, t- Faith Tell Your Story. We haven't come up with a kind of a name yet. We're, we've got a few different things that we're looking at. But uh, if you are interested in telling your story about how God has changed your life or something that God has done in your life, then we would love to know about it. We would love to either video you or, or if you like camera shy, um, which I'm sure none of you are because you, you all, I'm sure, love the camera, um, then you can uh, write it down. And we're going to put it on a website and we're going to give you some cards uh, to give out to people. And it's going to have a link to the website and then it's going to have a special link to your page on that website. And so you're going to be able to tell your story. Uh, because the Bible says that Jesus said to the disciples, you shall be my witness to the ends of the earth. And being a witness is basically telling your version of events, what's happened in your life. And so it could be how God helped you overcome a problem in your life, or you were struggling with, uh, with an addiction, or struggling with depression or doubt, and God helped you overcome that. Or it may be just that you radically got saved, and you were like on one collision course with uh, just your life going out of control, and God just you know, came in a bright, shining light, and you were blind for three days, and after that, like, your life was changed. And we need all those stories. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to be asking you over the next several weeks to, to help share those stories so that we can tell this, this, this world who needs Jesus uh, about your story because it's your story that's going to change their lives. Well, to, last week we, we, we uh, went through Acts chapter 1, and today we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, you can open it to Acts chapter 2. Back in uh, 2004, a movie came out, an independent movie came out that kind of went viral. Um, and uh, it was a movie when I first saw it, I thought it was just the... I, I hated it. I mean, I just hated it. Uh, I'm trying to use nice words to describe it, but I just thought it was just the stupidest movie ever. But, like, everybody started to love this movie. And the more I watched it, the more I was like, okay, there are some funny parts, but it's still stupid. And the movie was called Napoleon Dynamite. Um, And I almost was showed a clip this morning, but I just, I refused to own that movie. Um, And so I just wanted to find a clip, and I couldn't find the clip that I wanted anywhere without actually buying the movie. And I will not spend my money on that movie. But there was a clip in the movie, and it relates so much to what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, basically what happens, there's this guy called Napoleon who uh, uh, isn't the brightest spark in the book. Uh, in, in, uh, he's not like the 
grade A student or something. He's just kind of like, uh, you look at it and think, you know, he probably needs, you know, a light to switch on his head or something. Well, he's sitting on these steps and he's making a drawing. And he's drawing this thing. And this girl called Deb comes out of the school and he's sitting on the school steps making a drawing. And she turns to him and she says, hey, Napoleon, what are you drawing? He turns around and he goes, a liger. And she says, what's a liger? He says, it's pretty much my favorite animal. And he says, it's a lion and a tiger mixed, bred for skills in magic. And so they, they basically, it pans down to this, this picture, and there's this guy, Napoleon Dynamite, he's met, and he's drawing a thing called a liger. And what a liger is, is a cross between a lion and a tiger. And if you uh, know anything about biology, if a lion does some things with a tiger, you get a liger. And actually, there are things, there are animals actually called ligers, where lions have been bred with tigers. I don't know how that happens, but it happens. And they had this cross between a lion and a tiger. And it kind of reminded me when we were kids, we would come up with like these jokes and... Uh, you know, you, you would read jokes and you would go around telling everybody like the same joke time and time again. And you thought they were funny because you were eight years old and everybody was like, this is like the worst joke ever. But they laughed because they, you know, were trying to be nice. And the jokes were always, what do you get if you cross one thing with another thing? And they were like, I don't know. And they'd come up with something like, you know, s- silly and everybody would think that it was funny. Well, that, there was one I remember that, that we did, and it was like, what do you get if you cross an Egyptian mummy with a car mechanic? And we were like, I don't know. What do you get if you cross an Egyptian money, mummy with a car mechanic? And they were like, Toot and Carmen. And we were like, ha, 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 very funny. But it reminds me of what happened in the book of Acts. When you get something that is one thing on its own, and you combine it with something else, and you get something that is totally different. When two things different come together, sometimes you get something totally unusual, like a Napoleon Dynamite Liger. And this is what, exactly what happens in Acts chapter 2. And what happens is basically we see that the church becomes a Liger. But when the church becomes a Liger... The results are phenomenal. They are incredible. And I have a question for you today. What happens when you cross prayer with unity and then you mix in the perfect timing of God? What happens? I tell you what happens. In a day, a city can be turned upside down for Jesus Christ and in a lifetime, the whole known world can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. In one day, a whole city could be turned upside down. Prayer, unity, and the perfect timing of God. You know, last week we discovered that Jesus had had gone, ascended to heaven, and he had left uh, his disciples here on earth with a a promise. And the promise was that the gift of the Holy Spirit was going to be given to them. And the Holy Spirit was to give them power and strength and comfort. Strength and power to go and tell the word of the good news of Jesus, and comfort in times of uh, 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 um, comfort in times when uh, things were all going wrong. And, and what we discovered that the, the disciples, they had Jesus and then they had the Holy Spirit, but there was this big gap between them. And what happened in between, all they had 
was something that we call faith. Faith that God was going to fulfill the promise that he had given to them. And in between this time, they did something that everybody else or everyone, when they're waiting for God to fulfill a promise, should do. And it's pretty simple. What they did is they prayed. And we, we discussed last week a little about it. But if you have your Bible, if you want to turn Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. And it says there, it says, All the believers met together and were constantly united in prayer. The believers met together and they were constantly united in prayer. Notice here that these believers, they weren't praying by themselves But they actually started to get with other people and started to pray with other people. You know, every one of us, I believe this morning, whether you've been a a believer of Jesus Christ for 50 years, whether you've been a believer of Jesus Christ for five years, one year, or you're not even a believer yet of Jesus Christ. I believe every one of us, we need to develop some kind of prayer life. Every one of us. A personal prayer life. You know, uh, I think it was a lady called Corrie Ten Boom who, uh, uh, who was uh, um, uh, in a, a Nazi concentration camp. Uh, or she helped people um, escape from Nazi concentration camps. And she says that everybody needs to set an appointment every day with God. Set an appointment every day with God. And every one of us, we need to develop our personal time with God. Because it helps us in our journey of faith and it develops a relationship with God. However, there is something different and something much more powerful when individual believers come together and they start to pray together with other people. And you may be praying for something in your life right now. No one else knows about it. I encourage you. Tell someone else about it. Pray with someone else about it. Because when you pray with other people, it's like the power that you can receive just magnifies itself. Let, 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 me, let me show you in the Bible where, where, where it says that. In, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. Matthew 26 and verse 41. It says this. It says, keep watch and pray. So that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So firstly, we must, we must watch and keep prayer so that we don't lead into temptation. When you don't know what to do in your life, then the answer is pray. When you don't know what to do, pray. You know, there was a guy called John Bunyan who wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress. It's like written centuries ago, but it's it sold millions of copies throughout the world. And he said this, he made this quote. He says, prayer will make a man cease from sin, or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. And I ask you today, what's going on in your life? Is a prayer life enticing you to cease from sinning? Or is the sin in your life stopping you from praying? So firstly, we see here that, that these people, they got what Jesus says to keep watch and pray. And then in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19 to 20, he says this. He says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth 
will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together, my followers, I am there among them. So basically Jesus is saying, If two of you, two or three of you get together and you start to pray together and you agree in prayer together, then incredible things happen. And where two or three gather uh, and, and you are believers that I am in the midst, the presence of Jesus is in the midst. So these disciples, they decided they were in between Jesus leaving and the promise of the Holy Spirit coming and they prayed. That's all they did, they prayed. And they were united in prayer. And they constantly got together in prayer. It wasn't one in one home, one in the other. They came together and they prayed. Because there is something that these disciples did that was right. And that's they prayed together. And then they were united in prayer with each other. You know, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says this. And I'm going to read this from the King James Version because I just really like how the King James Version puts it. And it says this, it says, And on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the believers were all together in one accord in one place. In one accord in one place. These disciples, they did two things right when they prayed. They prayed together and they prayed in unity. In one accord basically means that there, there wasn't any uh, disunity among them. That there wasn't any divisions. They were together in unity, one with another. And I believe that something powerful happens when believers meet together in prayer. And when we start to pray together for the same things, we start to see God answer prayer. And when God answers prayer, we start to see powerful results in our lives. These disciples, they just didn't come together in one building. But the Bible says they came together in one accord. They were united together. You know, they, they didn't come with their own agenda. They, 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 they didn't come with their own focus. But their focus was this. We're going to pray for the promise that God has given us. And that is the promise of the Holy Spirit. At the point, they didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. They didn't even know what the Holy Spirit would do in their lives. All they knew, it was a promise from God. And so they got together and they prayed. And this morning, I don't know how you've come into this place today. I, I, I don't know your heart. I don't know maybe if you have your own agenda. I don't know if, if maybe this morning that you walk into this place and maybe you looked at someone else here and you've got something else against that person. I don't know if, if, if maybe you've got some divisions in your life or with somebody else in the church. I don't know. Only, only, only you know that. But one thing I've seen is that in churches where churches are united together and there's divisions, then that church is weak. That church is powerless, and that church is just downright ugly. And I've been part of churches where there's been divisions, and you want to run out the door as quick as you can. But when a church comes together and is united together, incredible things happen in a church. 
And you know what I've, I've discovered? Unless you actively seek to be united together, then you'll always struggle to receive the promises of God in your life. If you're not united together, and it's the same in church, it's the same in friendships, it's the same in marriage, it's the same in parenthood, it's the same in your place of employment. If you're not united together, it breaks the cords that bind you together. And when those cords are broken, you cannot function. And this church, this early church, they realized that they needed to be united together. And they united together in prayer. You know, I, I, I listened to a, a sermon a, a, a couple of months ago, and, and I always remember just the line. It was from a guy called Dave Wilkinson, who was the, uh, uh, he, he planted a church up in New York called Times Square Church, and he wrote a book called The Cross and the Switchblade, and he was a pretty famous guy. He's, he's passed on and gone to heaven now. But I, I listened to a sermon that he preached, and he preached a sermon on unity, and, and I remember we, we were going to be talking about this, and, and it just really spoke to me. And he said this, he says, said, it is no good praying that the Holy Spirit will unite us. He says, what you need to do, you need to get united and then pray for the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit only comes in power when believers are united together. And so if you have something against someone else, if there's an issue with somebody, I encourage you this morning, that today, this week, get with that person, put right what is wrong. Because you are breaking cords and it is affecting your life. And if God has got a promise on your life and you are in disunity, then it's going to affect that promise that God has for you. So these believers, they prayed together, they were in unity together, And then the third ingredient was that they found out that God's timing is perfect. You know, many of you, you may have not seen the promise of God in your life, basically because the timing of God isn't right in your life yet. The timing of God isn't right in your life yet. I, I, I have a lot of promises that I believe God has given me through the years. I've seen some of those come to fruition. But there's a whole lot of promises I've never seen. But it doesn't mean I discard them. It just means I know that the timing of God is not perfect yet. Let me show you an example of what happened in these believers' lives. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, when all the believers were meeting together in one place, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Sounds like an episode of Heroes or something, didn't it? You know, suddenly they got abilities. Then it says in verse 5, At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. 
These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. Here we are. Now if I butcher any of these, I apologize. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phygeria, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and areas of Libya and Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these believers, these people, speaking in our own language about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But the others in the crowd, they ridiculed them. They didn't understand what these people were saying. They're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other disciples and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is too much early for that. Well, tell some Ravens fans today. But anyway, no, what you are seeing was predicted by the prophet Joel long, long ago. Ago. Notice here the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. The day of Pentecost was a, a, a Jewish day, it was a Jewish festival. It's also known as Savot, or translated festival of weeks. And then when the day of Pentecost was, the day of Pentecost always occurred 50 days after the Jewish festival of Passover. Remember, Passover was the time when Jesus was betrayed. So this was like 50, uh, 50 days after Jesus had died on the cross. And, and basically what it was, it was a celebration of God giving the law of, uh, of Israel to Moses on Mount Sinai. And these days, Jews don't, a lot of Jews don't celebrate much about the day of Pentecost or Shabbat. But back then in Jerusalem, it was a big, big day. In fact, people from out of town, they would all come in. And they would come into Jerusalem. And they would have feasts and, and festivals. And, and they would eat. And, and they would, like all the motels and the hotels and the inns would, would be booked out. It was a huge holiday in Jerusalem. And I think what a perfect day. For God to pour out his spirit and start to speak to other people. You see, Jesus gave a commandment. He says, you shall be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria and the rest of the world. Well, these people, they were in Jerusalem. How are they going to reach out to the rest of the world? Well, how about bring the rest of the world to Jerusalem? And then the Holy Spirit gets poured out. And these people start telling them about the good news of Jesus Christ. And then they're going to go out to, to, to back to their hometowns and, and their countries. And then they can tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, it was God's perfect timing that he poured out his spirit upon these disciples on this day. If he had poured it out a week before, it may have not had the effect on the rest of the world that it eventually did. And in your life and in my life, 
There may be promises that God has given and we are waiting and waiting and waiting for that promise. And you may have not seen that promise. And I tell you, do not give up on that promise because it has got to be in God's perfect timing. God's perfect timing. I think this is just how God works. He waits for his perfect time. These disciples, they had roughly come together for about 10 days. Every day they prayed together. They were constantly united in prayer. And then suddenly, God shows up. And as we close this morning, I want to show you what happens when God shows up. What happens when God showed up then? What happens when God shows up in this church? And what happens when God shows up in your life? I tell you what happens, something way better than a liger happens. It's something that's going to overwhelm you, and it's going to blow your mind. These disciples suddenly, in an instant, started to hear the sound of like hurricane force winds. But there was no wind. They heard this loud noise. They didn't know what it was. Suddenly they started looking at each other, and they started seeing like, Pillars of fire over each other. And we think, well, that's weird. Well, not really. Because fire in the Bible represented two things. It represented the promise of God and it represented purity. The promise of God was represented in fire because the the Jewish people, as they walked through the wilderness, remember they went through the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness. Well, the Bible says that by day, there was a cloud to direct them. And by night, there was fire to direct them and also show them that God was with them and God had a promise for them. So when these Jewish people saw fire, they realized at that point, this was the promise of God. It wasn't anything weird or wacky. It was a symbol that God showed them that this was the promise of God. Then what happens is something pretty crazy happens. These These Jewish people, they were from a region called Galilee. And I'll be very nice about Galileans, but Galileans were people who were not the most educated. They were from a region that people kind of laughed at. They weren't your doctors or your lawyers from Galilee. They were basically people who maybe school dropouts. They, they, they never made it to become a rabbi. They, they helped out their family business, you know, from the age of 12. They weren't educated people. But yet, suddenly, these educated people started speaking in languages that they did not understand, but other people understood. And I believe it, that is just how God works. Because God wanted to clearly spread his message to, the belie- to, to people in Jerusalem. And he started using their own languages. And these people were like, how can these Galileans, these people who aren't educated, how can they start to speak these languages? And you know, when the Spirit of God comes upon a church or believers, incredible things happen. And I don't know about you, you may feel that you don't know enough about the Bible, or you may not be educated, or you may not live in like a holy enough life. It doesn't matter because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it comes in powerful ways, just like it did upon these disciples. And what happened is the people around started hearing their languages, and they knew it was God. It had to be God. 
It had to be God. And what happens when God shows up? When God shows up, people discover that Jesus Christ is the real thing. And Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He is the one who died for our sins. He is the one who has removed our sins. And He is the one who is making intercession to God for us. And He is the one who has given us access to the Father. And one day access to the glories of heaven. And these people on that day because of the Holy Spirit, they discovered that. The results was that God opened the door for Peter to speak. And you can read when you get home the rest of the book, uh, uh, the rest of chapter 2 of Acts. And let me tell you, Peter's a great guy, but I read his sermon, and I'm sure most of you would probably be falling asleep if you heard his sermon. His sermon wasn't full of funny stories. He didn't quote Napoleon Dynamite. I mean, come on. Peter, he didn't say anything that we'd be like, whoa, wow, look at the revelation that Peter just said. No, in fact, Peter, he didn't tell stories. It wasn't really well thought out. He just started to speak to the people with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the results were incredible. Incredible. This is what happened in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. It says, And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000. About 3,000 people. That is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon just average people who have been praying and united together. People find Jesus Christ. This day, this city was turned upside down. For when God moves, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. And I tell you today, I don't know how long you've been waiting for the promise that God has got for your life. Maybe it's just 10 days like these disciples. I'll be like, they didn't have to wait long because when you pray together and you are united together, God kind of starts to work fast. But maybe you've been waiting 40 years like the children of Israel walking around the wilderness waiting for the promised land. Maybe you're like Abraham and you've waited a lifetime for the promise that God has given you. It doesn't matter if you've been waiting 10 days, 40 years or a lifetime. Because when God gives a promise, it is a promise. And that promise will happen. And for you today, if God has given you a promise, hold on to that promise. Pray that promise through And wait for God's perfect timing because it will come about. The promise that God has given the church and this church is what we call the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And I believe as a church, God has given us this huge promise for one reason. And that is for us to be a catalyst. For what God is going to do in this community, in this state, in this nation. And I believe that when churches come together and individual believers come together and start to pray that the Holy Spirit will guide them and give them power, then eventually the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon those churches and this world will be changed forever because of what God has done. You know, we've not seen that promise yet. In our church, we have not seen that promise yet. 
but I believe it's coming. So if we have not seen that promise, then what should we do? What should you do in your life? You should get together with other believers and pray. You should be very intentional about trying to be united together. Not getting divisions, but united together. And then pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for the gift. Pray for the promise. And pray for those souls who are on a collision course with a lost eternity. And that's why the Holy Spirit was given to the church, so the church could have power to tell people that they need Jesus. They need Jesus. So today, let us stand together with one mind, with one purpose, with one hope, and with one prayer. And this is the prayer. Holy Spirit, come in power. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let us not be, let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. And let our thought and purpose be this, that the Holy Spirit will come in power and move us in such a way that we will be able to tell this world about the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.